the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We are holding the infallible Word of God. You said, well, Pastor Mike, I've heard from some preacher friends of mine the Bible's full of errors and mistakes. I'm telling you that the great God who made the universe, the God who inspired the Word through the prophets, carried His Word through the centuries so that our Bible lands in our hand as an intentional document for the last days as the infallible Word of God. That is Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Don't forget the worship service is held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. We would love to see you there. And we will have details on that as we continue on with today's program. You can also watch the broadcast live, streaming at reachinghearts.org slash video every Saturday at 11. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Today on Reaching Your Heart, Pastor Michael Oxentenko brings you a message he entitles The Last Days and the Final Word. That's The Last Days and the Final Word. We will bring you the first portion of this broadcast today. Make sure that you join us again next time when we complete it. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Father, we're grateful today for Jesus. Where would we be without the Son of God? Gave Himself for us. Who suffered on the cross for us. And who lives for us. You gave Him to us, Father. And for this we're grateful. In Jesus' name, Amen. It has been said that days are like dominoes. They fall one into the other until the last one falls down. And when the last one goes down, the days have nothing more to say. Days come to an end. The Bible speaks about the end of days. On the first day in time, God spoke into the darkness with the promise of light. Every day has a morning and an evening, and then the night comes when no man can work. Jesus made that clear. When God spoke in the beginning, His precious word was the first light. And he said through the living word at the dawn of time, let there be light. There was morning at the dawn of time because God spoke his word into the darkness that was before time. And the word that is the light interacted with the confusion, the void. And somehow all that is came from the word that is light. Friend, our greatest need in life is to face the night with the light that shows the way like the bright and morning star. Whenever God reveals the true light, friend, God speaks the word of truth, and that word is the light we need to show the way. May God give us light in our lives. May God give us the word in our lives. When God spoke the word in the beginning, the dawn appeared on the uncertain sea as the new morning appeared to show the way. Open your Bibles. Let's turn to Hebrews 1 verse 1. The Bible says, in many and various ways, what does the text say? God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. 
The book of Hebrews begins with the bold and clear affirmation that the prophets wrote down for us the Word of God. So when we hold our Bible in our hand, friends, we are holding the infallible Word of God. Did you hear me? We are holding the infallible Word of God. You said, well, Pastor Mike, I've heard from some preacher friends of mine the Bible's full of errors and mistakes. I'm telling you that the great God who made the universe... The God who inspired the word through the prophets carried his word through the centuries so that our Bible lands in our hand as an intentional document for the last days as the infallible word of God. Now, I'm not going to get into arguments about textual sources and all that. I'm just going to say this, that God knew how to give you a Bible so you could trust the word of God for the last days. The book of Hebrews begins with a bold and clear affirmation that the prophets wrote down for us the word of God. We live in an age today when smart theologians and philosophers would like to improve on God's word. We live in a time when philosopher kings envisioned by Plato in his book The Republic pontificate all the time their human ideas over the Bible. And that is nothing new because God's word is nothing new. As soon as God gave his word, there was a critic and a skeptic to say you can't believe it. Friend, the universal witness of the early church tells us that the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. If you look at the church fathers in the pre-Nicene collection, you'll find the universal witness for 200 years says that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. There's no real good reason to say he didn't. In fact, when you study the Greek, you study the language, the theology found in the book of Hebrews, it matches Colossians, it matches Ephesians, it matches Romans in places, and yet it has a distinctly Jewish flavor to it. It's because Paul is adapting his message for the audience he is trying to reach. So there's no real good reason to say that Paul did not write this book, even though it doesn't carry his name. The teaching in Hebrews is Pauline, and much of the phraseology of righteousness by faith is right here for the Jewish people in language that they would understand. So it is the book of the new covenant. It contrasts the old that is obsolete with the new that is alive in Jesus Christ. Most of Paul's ministry was for the Gentile world. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the fulfillment of the light that would be seen, that would illumine the entire world. God used him to reach the Roman world. And like no other apostle, Paul evangelized the world that was on the outside of Judaism to bring them to a knowledge of Christ. And friends, we need to be in the business of sharing Jesus. This COVID crisis must never shut down the church and its mission. While we must be careful, we must not ignore the call to reach out to people. So we use the computer. We're in Zoom meetings. We have Bible studies in creative ways. But whatever we got to do, we don't stop sharing Jesus because there's a crisis. You know why? Because the ultimate crisis in our life is to not have Jesus. We need Christ to show the way. This one letter is Paul's attempt through the Holy Spirit in a crisis era in the Roman world to reach the Hebrew people, his people, who started out with Jesus, who heard the words of Christ, who responded to the apostles, who formed the early church, and yet they got discouraged. And so they started going back to the temple. And the heart of the message of the book of Hebrews is get out of the temple and come to Christ. Quit worrying about the old, focus on the new. Very often when someone has something new to say, they ignore the past. But not so here, not so with God. Paul says, God spoke of old to our fathers. And how did he do this? He says, he spoke to us by the prophets. Let's dwell on that. If you want to know God in your life, 
Friend, you cannot ignore the fact that God does nothing without speaking his truth through the prophets. God has chosen the prophets as his way of reaching us. That is why God spoke of old to our fathers through the prophets. When God raises up a man or woman to be a prophet of God, be it in the scriptures or after the scriptures, to draw attention to them, we had better listen. Look at Amos chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The Bible says, surely the Lord God does what? How does it read in your scripture? Does nothing without. Without doing what? Without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. So if God's going to do something dramatic in the world, if God's going to reach us, God is going to move on men and women with the prophetic gift to reveal his secret, or we won't know what God is thinking. And so the prophets are indispensable. Look at verse 8. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? Friend, there's no major event in the plan of salvation without a prophetic activity. At the beginning of a time prophecy, God raises up a prophet to illumine the world, to give truth, to project what will happen, what is coming. At the end of that time prophecy, you can look at every significant time prophecy in Scripture. God raises up a prophet to give the description, to illumine, to draw attention to that previous prophecy. Now, we as Seventh-day Adventists believe that the longest time prophecy in the Bible is the 2,300-year time prophecy of Daniel 8.14. It reaches from the autumn of 457 B.C. It was predicted by the prophet Daniel, and it goes all the way down the timeline, 2,300 evenings and mornings, 2,300 prophetic days, which are years, literally, until you get to the year 1844. And friend, based upon this verse, based upon the pattern of Scripture, there must be prophetic activity in the 1840s, or you can write that time prophecy off. And so one of the greatest evidences that this movement was born on the wings of Bible prophecy is that God moved in the 1800s with a lesser light upon those who were open to him with the prophetic gift to draw attention to this long-time prophecy. There were three people who received the prophetic gift in the 1840s, right at the time of that time prophecy. Friend, God does not leave the task of interpreting his word to human beings who are self-proclaimed sources of truth. God has given us the prophets to show us the way. So they are indispensable. It's also easy to ignore a true prophet of God or to make fun of them, to ignore the evidence and truth that God gives us through them. It is so human. The prophets never came in a package we would naturally like or accept. God chooses the weakest of the weak and the most unlikely and disliked to proclaim his word. He chooses the unlikely candidate to be a prophet spokesman for him. God chose Abraham who couldn't even have children without the promise of the word. He had a lying problem. You read the book of Genesis, Abraham had a lying problem when he got in trouble. He'd tell fibs to get out of trouble. But God chose him anyway. God worked within his life, just like he works in your life and mine. He chose Moses, who was slow of speech and the meekest man on earth, and a murderer also. He killed a man in anger. God chose Moses. We would have rejected him. If you judged him only by the perfection of his life, you wouldn't think he'd be a prophet. Friend, if you want a scandal, then this fact alone is a scandal. God chooses the unlikeliest, the weakest of the weak to proclaim his word in this dark world. So Paul was no exception since he was a chief of sinners, he says. Paul persecuted the church. He pursued believers to arrest them and kill them. 
He held the cloak of Stephen, the first martyr in the Christian era, as he consented to his death. God chose Paul to illumine the Gentile world. God chose Paul to be the light of the Gentile world in an era when there was no light. He chose a man who had a heavy burden with mistakes he had made. And thus a broken man became a healed man who proclaimed the gospel of peace to the Roman world. And so here Paul says, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. He too is a prophet. Now let's ask ourselves the question, how did God do this? How did God speak of old? The text says here, in many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. The Greek word translated many is polymeros, and it means many parts or many portions. It means something like baby bites. Have you ever fed your baby and you had to give it baby bites? How many parents do we have here who had children? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm in that club. Boy, I had a hard time feeding my kids. I can remember standing there and my son Donald trying to feed him the food. And he'd go, mm, no, mm, no, close his mouth. So open those mouth, pry his lips or heart, no, and he'd grunt down if he didn't like it. And it was like, boy, we had to feed him or he'd starve to death. He grew up. It worked. But I had to give him baby bites. You can't give him big portions, especially if they're resistant. Friend, God didn't give his word all at once in the past. God gave us baby bites, bit by bit, just enough of his word at the right time so his children could understand the Bible. A little at a time for a long time until the Bible was formed. The Bible was formed in the Old Testament as the Tanakh, 2nd, 3rd century, coalesced in time to be translated into the Greek translation, the Septuagint of the 2nd century. It had a different order than what we have. The last book was 2nd Chronicles. It was not arranged as our Protestant Bible is today. But then something happened. God moved upon the New Testament apostles. They were prophets. And it took 300 years before all the books were recognized that would become our New Testament. And then the struggle of the Middle Ages over what the Bible is. The Catholic Church tried to add scriptures that Jesus never accepted in the Old Testament. The Apocrypha. And so after the struggle of the Reformation, the Bible we hold in our hand coalesced after 1798 at the time of the end. The Scottish Bible Society in 1826, first Bible Society to leave the Apocrypha out of the Protestant Bible. And God's Word arrives to us in its present final form, just on time, according to the book of Daniel, at the time of the end. So our Bible is not an accidental document in any way. It was delivered by God through the centuries, carried by the living and abiding Word of God, Jesus Christ, providentially, so we would hold in our hand for the last days the infallible Word of God. You know, when I say that, guess who resists that kind of statement most often? I find that preachers get nervous when I say the infallible Word of God. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. Isn't that an amazing thing? Why would a preacher be nervous with that? Now, I've studied Greek and Hebrew. I've studied textual evidence. I know what God had to work with to bring this Bible into its present form. I'm not ignorant of that. But I confess, as I study this book, 
And as I look at its internal structures, that Christ knitted it together perfect for us at this time of earth's history so we can rely upon the Bible as it is. We are told in the spirit of prophecy that the Bible was given intentionally in its present form by God from the dawn of time. He designed that we receive it as it is. And we should read it, we should study it, and trust it as the Word of God. Friend, if you want something sweet in your life, kiss your Bibles. How many of you have Bibles in your hand? You're socially distancing today. I'm going to do something which is really neat. I'm going to kiss my Bible. Is that okay? I mean that. It's sweet. Have you ever had honey? You ever had honey? Oh, I love honey. I don't like the honeycomb that much. Just give me the honey and leave the wax out. Boy, sweet honey. The Bible says the book, the open book, is sweet as honey. My son used to chew on my Bible. He put a little ketchup on it once. And I remember him having to chew and tear the page on it. And he ate the little book. It was sweet as honey in his mouth. But when I found out it was bitter in his stomach, I liked the fact that he liked the Word of God. The Reader's Digest says we should eat the Word of God. You don't eat stuff that's not sweet. The Bible is sweet as honey. So if you want something sweet in your life, take the Bible in. Take it through and through. There are baby bites in this book of the Word of God just for you. Now, the Greek word translated many ways in Hebrews 1 1 is palutropos, and it means just that many ways. God didn't just use one methodology or one way of thinking or one genre to reach the human race when he spoke his word. God spoke through epic literature in Genesis 1 to 11. When I'm studying with Hindus, I go to Genesis 1 to 11 because with the Bhagavad Gita and their traditional scriptures, which are Hindu, they latch on to the epic literature of the first 10 chapters of Genesis. And then I lead into Genesis 22 where they discover that Jesus Christ is the Savior and he would die there at Mount Moriah through the epic literature of Genesis. Friend, God spoke through people's lives and biography and narrative as they interacted through the prophets of God in their time with his people with real life problems like ours and some problems that are greater than ours. And so we learn from them what God would do with us. God gave the prophets to help people live and to be happy and to know God. We see the prophets working all the way through Scripture. God spoke through law and ordinances and commandments. Some people say, well, I don't want the law. Well, the law is in your Bible. You know, we live in a day when people can walk with pickaxes through department stores and rip them apart. And we need the law of God justly, righteously administered in our culture, in our lives. When God spoke the law on Mount Sinai, God revealed his character, his Ten Commandment law, a description of who he is as a moral being. God spoke through sacred scripture and history as God gave us the holy line of the Messiah, Shem, Eber, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then David from the line of Judah until the Messiah came to us as the line of the tribe of Judah through Mary. We learn that from our Bible. God spoke through the covenants of promise. The covenant he made to Adam, the creation covenant, the covenant to Noah, Abraham, David, the new covenant through Jesus, through songs, by wisdom, literature, and yes, through prophecy. Now, I find it amazing when a pastor will say or a preacher will say, you know, we don't want that prophecy stuff. We want Jesus. You can't have Jesus without taking your whole Bible. That's like saying, I don't want the brain of Jesus. 
The Apostle Paul, when he introduces the gospel in Romans 1, he says it is the fulfillment of the prophets. He bases the proclamation of the gospel of God upon the prophetic pronouncements of Isaiah and other gospel prophets who came before him. Paul proclaims in one verse that by baby bites and in many ways God revealed himself to our fathers by the prophets. So don't think you're going to get the truth in your life unless you respect, you study, you surrender, you get on your knees with your Bible and you ask God to show you the way with the prophets. In verse 2, Paul introduces Jesus as God's final word. Open your Bible. Let's look at 1 and 2 and read them together. In many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. And that's a lot of stuff in two verses. Let's pick it apart. Friend, according to this verse, Jesus is God's final word. The whole Old Testament is here defined as the time of the prophets. The Greek says literally, the last of these days, the days of the prophets. The days of the prophets, as they understood it, have come to an end with the coming of Jesus. It means the prophetic days are over. Indirect speech is gone. Jesus said the same in Luke 16, verses 16 and 17. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news or the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone enters it violently. But it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. The law and the prophets were here until Jesus. But Jesus says they're here to stay. But a new age has come. The proclamation of the gospel stands upon the shoulders of the prophets. When Jesus shows us here that God's word is indispensable to the end of time, and yet a transition has occurred from the days of the prophets to the days of the gospel proclamation. Verse 2 says, God has spoken to us by a son. That's the difference. The Greek reads that God has spoken to us in a son. Friend, in the birth, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, God has spoken to us as if God is here. That's personal. Now, God has many sons in creation. How many of you have fathers and mothers? How many of you have some sons in your family? Raise your hand high. Put your hands down. How many of you have daughters in your family? How many of you have both sons and daughters? Okay. Now, when the Bible says sons, it's generic. It often just means children. So we can understand to be boys and girls. God had many sons in creation. Wherever there is a sentient being that can know God, that is a child of God. In Job 38, 7, the Bible tells us that the angels are called the sons of God when they sang at the creation of our world. Creation was a collaborative event with a pre-existent civilization that rejoiced when God created the world. They were here. They watched it. They studied the science of it. They watched God in awesome power pull it off. God was active in the terraforming of this planet. God did the work, and they let out in worship and song as it happened. Lucifer fell just before the creation of this world because he wanted to be God. He couldn't be. In Job 1.6 and Job 2.1, the representative of other worlds beyond our planet in this vast universe that the James Webb telescope is going to show us just how far back we can see. In this vast universe, there are sons of God on many worlds, and these sons of God come to God to represent their realm at the throne of God in the book of Job. 
And just like these leaders of other worlds, Adam is called a son of God in Luke 3.38. He was the representative of our world until Satan deceived him. So it's not enough, friend, that Jesus is a son of God. There are many sons of God out there. For God to speak his final word through Jesus, Jesus must be the son of God in every special, unique, and important way. He cannot be a son. He must be the son. In verse 2, Jesus is introduced as God's heir and as the creative agent through whom God made the whole universe, past, present, and future, and all the stuff in it. His credentials are too grand and lofty for him to be a creative being. Now, there's a trend in our church in certain corners where people are saying, you know, Jesus is really not God. It's Arianism. It's an old idea that got its start in 3rd, 4th century A.D. The Council of Nicaea, the church was struggling with that. It divided the Western and Eastern Roman Empire to a large extent religiously. And, you know, they killed people over this difference. That we should never do. God loves people who have it wrong. But Christ's credentials, friend, are too grand and lofty for Jesus to be a created being. I've heard people in our church argue that he's a created being, and they don't know the scriptures. The Greek word translated world in verse 2 is the Greek word I own. Say that with me. I own. I own. Our English word eon comes from ion. Ion. What does eon mean? What does it mean? A long period of time, an eon, age. That's right. So this Greek word literally means time ages. Christ made the time ages. In that sense, the universe with a time past, present, and future. It's Einstein's fourth dimension of time that is here introduced. Well, amen. Thank you for listening to the first portion of The Last Days and the Final Word. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Make sure you tune in the next time we get together for the conclusion of this very exciting message. That is The Last Days and the Final Word. Make sure you look for it online as well at reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening, and we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.